Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All righty, we are ending one of the longest weeks of all of our lives. It's been one of those weeks, but we're glad we're here talking to you. It is August 11th, and we're going to call this... Uh, the podcast about Biden's tour of the Mountain West. But before we get to that, there was some breaking news I have to bring up. I have not delved deeply into this because I was having a family fun day before work today. I was at the aquarium yes. with my kids. Good uh, but uh, Greg Hughes and Mara have just been working hard, um, Carabello. So thank you for being here. Uh, the breaking news is that a special counsel investigator was appointed by the Attorney General Garland in the Hunter Biden probe, which I would think would make our friend Greg Hughes happy. Republicans are One going would to be think, getting the investigation they want? But no. no. Nah, it's David Weiss. It's the same guy's been working on it so far. If you if you felt like it it deserved a special counsel because you thought the guy investigating it was putting his thumb on the scale or he wasn't you know, wasn't investigating it well enough and there's been whistleblowers that have complained about how that's been investigated, putting the same guy on and just calling him a special counsel isn't really what I think Republicans were hoping for in terms of a fair look. No, but here's my question. I thought the attorney general said at some point that he'd already Weiss had been gifted the power of Grayskull, essentially, where he right. could go in and investigate what he wants, charge where he wants, in any district, anywhere he wanted. So I don't know if this is a backstep being like, oh, we really didn't do this, or just making it official and saying, by the Queen's decree, we have granted. I don't know. I think it's a legal point in the trial. Yeah. So I think it's a you reach certain measures. So he's a prosecutor. He is a Trump appointee. And he, um, I think they reached so is the point. Ray, we're not really happy about that either. I think that we reached the point in the investigation that Republicans should be happy about, which is to say they're they're at an impasse and they're ratcheting up the investigation as opposed to ratcheting down. So that's usually what happens when they name a special counsel. He's interesting because he had a lot of power in Delaware. So for him to choose to continue with mm-hmm. the Hunter Biden thing must mean as a prosecutor, he's, he's pretty um, dedicated to this. So this was just a designation of the powers that he would have as special. I, I don't counsel. think there's more than a lot of time in of his life yeah. into it. So he may as well go all the way. Well, yeah, that's what I, would I don't think there's, I think there's only one investigation. So would he be the one that the judge threw out the plea agreement? Cause it was, well, I think what it indicates to many people is that it will go to trial. I think because there yeah. was an impasse, they had reached a point in which the, um, they couldn't agree on the terms, particularly <laughs> the immunity terms. Yes. Um, that I think uh, putting together a special counsel indicates they'll likely go to trial. Which means that it will probably be a bigger part of the 2024 presidential election. Well, I think it's serious, and I think that it it merits that. And uh, But, again, I think the person that wasn't able to have that plea agreement who said, you know, the government thought they had one with uh, Hunter Biden and his attorneys, and they get the action goes live in the court hearing in the judge starts asking questions and they find out they're not in the same place, you'd have hoped that those kind of conversations would have happened before the judge was actually reading yeah. the And the, the indications so. are that his father, who happens to be the president, may get pulled into this case too because, I mean, I mean, he's in the orbit of what these yes, charges are. And so we're going to have Trump, who's being indicted, possibly going to trial. Then we're going to have Hunter Biden and um, possibly his father on the stand, which could make for a very interesting next year of our lives. So, Yeah, because what we know now from that is all the trials and accusations are still in play. So, like, this just gets deeper. It's just, it's just sad. I, 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 I've said this a few in a few weeks running now that, you know, you get what you, you know, you reap what you sow. I think once this Rubicon was passed where you're just going to go ahead and impeach a president like Trump over things that I think were not impeachable. They were opinions and political opinions that they wanted to construe a certain way. Um, then, you know, the Republicans take control of the House and they're going to argue that there's a, a bar much higher than the one that the Democrats looked at with Trump. And so now we're into this with with Biden. 
um, or you have this investigation and you have this current indict these indictments and counting with Trump, but now you have Hunter Biden who has it does tether or connect to his father who's president. All of it, it's just chaos. It's absolute chaos. But I think it's, you know, maybe in hindsight it was a good a good uh, deal that they didn't go after Hillary for all the you know classified stuff she had not kept on a protected server, and they decide she's a candidate and we're not going to go there. Maybe in hindsight that was the the better way to go than to live through what we're going to live through now. Yeah, I mean, it brings up the question of what are the how, how do we gain some statesmanship, some decorum, um, some of the right people when now both sides have readily said, well, you did it, so I'm going to. No, you did it, so I'm going to. Both sides are in the exact same place. How do we go? How do you step back from this environment we've created? And I'm just going to put out there that what cannot be the case is anytime we're talking about a Democrat, let's be statesmen and let's show some decorum. But if it's a Republican, all bets are off. It can't be one side. I'm not. You're not suggesting that. I'm just saying politics today seems to be, you know, that seems. It seems to be one or the other. Like nobody is actually even handedly looking at this stuff, saying, right. "What do we want to put the, the American people through right but now?" But that is the problem. There are no sort of shining moments with any elected Democrats or elected Republicans. It's it's so equally <laughs> poorly done. I, and I don't know how they get out of the paradigm. I mean, I, I, think, think, and I think... Do Democrats we need to hit bottom before blood. we can scrape back up? That but Greg, that this. statement I know. is the problem, right? I think it's right? true, though. Well, I know that is the problem, that you think it's a... I'm not a, saying you to think continue it's it. A, it's I'm not a saying match. return volley. I'm just saying that when, you went, when they impeached Trump twice... I, over the but things Greg, they did. So if you do you that, look at what's going on right now. If you do go, that, eh, then cares, I'm going to on. launch into a long speech about the Clintons, and that's not going to get us anywhere, right? Like when. Yeah. So uh, this is the problem. This is the <laughs> we can do this yeah. forever a tit for tat forever. Yeah, yeah. Clint, and it's was just that ninety six? Not helpful, yeah. and it's not focused on the right issues, and. It's serving the political beast, not the public policy beast. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. But we have not heard the last of this. Now, speaking of President Biden, if I were to give him a grade on a tour, because he took a three-day tour of uh, three states in the West, <laughs> and I'm not talking politics. This isn't a grade on politics, but just his performance. Mm-hmm. Because when you watch him, I was kind of waiting for him to go. And it's interesting when he's in your purview or in your state, you know, when things happen. And He's just been acting, I think, maybe older. I hate to use the F word, feeble, but seeming no, That's not a the F word more. I thought you were going to say. That's no. good. <laughs> but he's just been seeming like off, like he's taking small naps when he's talking to people or kind of fumbling over his words or just having a few problems. But I feel like he came in, he did what he wanted to do, whether other people like what he did. I think that he spoke well, Um he seemed to go smoothly through this trip. He used the tall stairs instead of the <laughs> That's short That's what I was going to say. I watched him traverse those stairs quite yeah, so nimbly. I think, I think taking politics aside, it seems like he had a successful trip. Mara, uh, did you like what you saw? So I'm going to stick less away from sort of recharacterizing we'll get to the, the tropes about uh, about him. Tro- and not talk tropes, about actually physical no, I mean like, so, maladies. But they're a partisan point of view. So I'm sticking from that and saying (laughs) what was interesting is I don't think – so some of the things I thought he did right. So Arizona, big announcement. We can talk about that in a second. He comes Uh, to Utah. We'll just stick with Utah for a second. Um, Picks a really cool adjacent Air Force base, which I liked. I know Provo was a little annoyed, but I I thought that was the right move. I like that it was a small delegation. So um, the choices that people have are to try and crowd gather and wave and stuff. I like that he went with a small delegation. Who gets an A-plus from me um, for walking the walk and not just talking the talk is Spencer Cox, Mm -hmm. who shows up and the the governor should greet the president. And he did, as did Abby. They looked great. I don't mean that in a superficial Mm -hmm. way, but they represented well. They joined President um, Biden in the Beast and ride together. Which kind of surprised me because he's... 
because I think he easily could have, and sometimes you see him greet, shake hands, and he's done and moves on. They talk for a long for a time. Yeah. In fact, mm-hmm. a lot of people commented on that. Then you have Aaron Mendenhall, who is the Democrat of the capital city. You have Jenny Wilson, who's the Democratic mayor of the second largest governmental entity in the state mm-hmm. of Utah. Good choices for who's there, good visuals. And like, if you can't capitalize on Air Force One, you can't capitalize on anything, right? It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. So then where I would have seen him maybe do some advance work. I don't know what he has on his plate for his day job is then he goes quiet for a little bit. He doesn't do any public grip and grins. He doesn't take advantage of the interstitial spaces between, but then he does a red, white, and blue um, during the VA. And then he goes, you know, to the ATM that is Park City as everyone does. As Cha-ching. Yeah. And so I think it was successful. One of the things I appreciated about it is that I felt both on behalf of the state of Utah and beha- and the Biden administration, so the Cox and Biden administrations, made it a presidential visit, not a political campaign stop. Yeah. Um, there was some partisanship around the spending associated with the PAC Act. There has been the whole time, mm-hmm. um, which I will snark a little bit about because I don't understand the world where the Republicans are criticizing paying people who went to war for the United States. But... Um, but overall, just from a performance basis, he did a pretty good job. Yeah. Okay. So, and we're going to dig into each of these things because he had a busy few days. But overall, what did you think? Do you have anything nice you yeah. would like to say about President yes, I, Biden? Yes, I, I will. Okay. Um, but do I have to only say nice things, or can I? Well, give let's my start whole with opinion? something nice, okay. and then you can give your whole opinion. So I, I was. I thought he. I thought he came down from those. St- I. It's actually something I wanted to watch. So I watched it live. I wanted to see how he would navigate all of that. I thought he, he strolled right down. I thought he was, uh, as was mentioned, conversant, really engaging with uh, the delegation waiting for him. That was uh, Governor Cox, uh, First Lady Abby Cox, and then uh, County uh, Mayor Jenny Wilson and Salt Lake City Mayor Aaron Mendenhall. I thought those were great. You saw him speak for a while. Um, I will say, though, that I thought it was too sparse, Mara, of a of a of a gre- I why why the two mayors couldn't have their spouses with them? I, I thought it just seemed a little too uh, too few of people uh, that were there. Um, but look, if I were governor, I would have I would have greeted President Biden, and I, know, I would, I and I would have gone the, into um, the beast. LG, she should have had a chance. I would have gone there, into right? the I would have gone into the the the, the beast the limo, and I would have spoken with him, and I would have brought up the national monument and a very in a very respectful way, but I, I would have, I would have brought that. Did, don't you think? I would hope. I, I would imagine he did. But I, I would have, I would have taken full opportunity to greet the president of the United States and to, uh, if invited, join him in his car and 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 speak about the issues critical to Utah. No I'd one said it. where they dropped them off, and I don't know why, but I'm so bothered by like <laughs> I knew they all left together, but we didn't see where they That's stopped because they turn off all the UDOT cameras, so you can't really see where they're going. <laughs> and I was like, where did he drop them off? Did he actually carpool and you know drop them off at the governor's mansion and then loop back around <laughs> to the Monaco? Yeah, where, where they did dropped he, or did him. they just pull off to the side of the road and be like, call your friends? Yeah. Yeah. Spencer and Abby were going to Jimmy John, so he just dropped them off there, and you know, kept yeah. going. I was waiting. Um, not that I'm saying that he wants ice cream all the time, but I was kind of waiting <laughs> since we were in Utah for them to pull up to a Leatherby's and maybe, you know, get a cone or something yeah, and then yeah. head on their way. Well, that's way. what I was talking about. It's often there are those uh, spontaneous, yeah. which I would say in air quotes, yeah. stops. He didn't do any of those. Yeah. He, he did official events with And you with don't know no why? You think that's spontaneous just they forgot? Just I will that say that minds? what I heard from the larger campaign is that if you had wanted to the opportunity has passed Greg but if you'd wanted to have dinner uh, at the Hotel Monaco with him that night normally the price tag at that level is apparently 1.5 million and I understand you could have in Utah had dinner with him for 750,000 whoa so that was a, a deal a, there's a little bit of a, so a clearance I don't, I don't know if any people actually take here. him up on it and do that I don't know I do know that they were off they were pitching it and I don't know if Ooh, anybody not took him this? up on that or not cool. that I was hope in that addition every to single Democrat that loves Biden gave every dime they have so they don't have any money to give in Utah. I feel like if do, I had do you money, think he, do you that's think not how people with that kind of money work. No, right? they don't. Yeah, that's how you and I work. That's not. I want them to break the bank. Rich. I wanted them to break <laughs> yeah. the bank here. I feel like if I were the kind of person who had where 750000 wasn't anything to me and it, that's all you pay for a, f- a price for a fun dinner, I would go talk to any president, pick their brain and talk to them. I think it's it was, historical. Not, right? I, 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 have, yeah. I, I agree. I, I think that 
you know, we have our partisan opinions, but President of the United States is President of the United here's States. My, yeah. Here's my democratic scandalous question, Ooh. of which I could have done some research and I didn't, <laughs> so if you could. So when President Obama came, as you mm-hmm. might recall, he stayed at the Sheridan, to which many people say, no disrespect to the Sheridan at the time, but it hadn't been remodeled, and they were like, why is Biden staying? Well, because it was a union hotel, and it was the last union hotel. Is that Obama or Biden? Obama stayed at the Sheridan. That's really why, because I heard it was because he didn't stay at the Grand America because it was too hard to secure because of how tracks ran by it. But that doesn't make sense when you go to Monaco. It was a union hotel. So the employees were unionized. And that, back in the day to Democrats, remember, I mean, I remember the first campaign I worked on. I don't know if, Greg, you've experienced this. I was working with another consultant who hadn't worked on a Democratic campaign. And I was like, where's the bug? And I was screaming about about, about a mail piece. And I'm like, where's the bug? Where's the bug? And this guy was like, what the hell is wrong with you? And there was always a union bug. You always put a union Mm. stamp so you knew the print shop was a union print shop. Well, just to show you signs of the times, it's Kimpton, right? Is Hotel Monaco? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I I don't know if they're union or not, but I suspect they're not. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> I don't think they are as a small because they're and just maybe a small we don't have any more. Maybe and well, so this is the homework I have not done. Okay, now I don't know if it. we have any more union hotels. That, no, that that seems consistent. City. The everyday so working Sheraton Joe and Jane, changed? they're not being thought about it anymore. So I can see that. I don't know. That makes interesting. sense. Interesting. I just the handed Sheraton that to you, but it is an interesting fact yeah. to secure because the Monaco's smaller. So when they put their dump trucks around it and everything to secure There's it, nowhere to go. It's sort of small and tight. But the Sheridan, the way it's set up, if you know where it is downtown, it's on the main yeah. thoroughfare when you're getting on and off the freeway plus there's a massive parking lot bu- behind it it was a lot bigger to secure plus i mean think of how many people can stay in that hotel do they, they bring secure- their own sheets because i would feel like or mm, I, that's what i wonder question. if you're these, going to a hotel these are the real like, questions yeah, yeah i have a logistics question it's okay. on the, it's on the way home so as i i80 was completely shut down yesterday and everyone who, who they don't really tell you ahead of time we're shutting it all down because that's yeah. kind of the point of trying to get them to and from do you think he lost more votes from people trapped on the freeway than he'll get from those uh, in Utah? I don't know if people readily acknowledge it. Like with all the construction, so I, lo- I mean, that, I was that, driving that to work the other day when they had already done this, and I'm driving. I've been I've been blocked everywhere downtown. It has a stupid yes. close sign. So I was. You know, gently lamenting that it was taking <laughs> me a minute. I don't know, to folks. To I don't know if you've ever, listeners. I don't know if you've ever witnessed uh, a, a gen- gentle lamentation. A gentle lament- lamentation from Mara, but it's not that gentle. So I so passed you know. by two hundred South, which is closed, and I see these two tents, and I am like. Not only are we doing road construction, you're so committed to your road construction, you've tented it. Like, and the <laughs> cops were sitting underneath it, and it took me like a microsecond to go, oh, no, that was the entrance to Hotel Monaco, and security had set up for long term. But they did the other thing that means nothing, but I'll overshare with you. We <laughs> live do. reasonably close to the VA, and um, my husband was on a conference call, and he said... And he looked later, and he's like, yeah, it was the time that they were probably going. And they killed the he cell lost, phones? Yeah, he said he lost his cell service completely. Yeah. Um, which I, I kind of think those things are cool a little bit. There's a, a little, little bit cool. I do. A, now, not if they're affecting me, of course, yeah. but the notion of it is yeah. kind of cool. I'll just, I'll just throw this out there uh, for whatever it's worth, that when uh, I was in the Beast with President Trump back oh, in December look of 17, uh, we went six well, north, and we went to the uh, free. We went to the uh, to the airport yourself? in a way that did not require an interstate to be shut down. Is it because you guys were FYI. looking for Mickey D's? Were you stopping by the old? Yeah, he has a re- there's a there's a good answer why he likes Mickey <laughs> D's. So no, get enough orders, someone else goes and gets it that they won't spit in his food. <laughs> I love that. Just, so where did you it's guys, more anonymous. So did you just drive around, or did you really no, stop did, and no, get we, a, like no, a No, we didn't stop. We didn't um, stop. But they took a route that didn't require the complete shutdown of an interstate. Yeah, and oh, they shut down, I think, parts of 215 and I-15 as well, because my husband was taking my son last night around that time. Um, there's a big Adidas Cup soccer, um, what do you call them, the competition West, yeah. going on out in that Rose Park area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everyone I could see, I was anchoring the news, but I could see just little messages popping up on my soccer app of all the parents being like, we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. And I'm like, nobody's going to make it. You'll be yeah. fine. When the president's gone, they'll start the game. You're right. So back yeah. to my original question, were more people alienated in that drive than we'll vote for him. I think a lot of people like I kind of eat, breathe and sleep this, but I think there's a lot of people that probably didn't even know the president was in town or that that was yeah. what it was. That's what I, th- I think again, they don't attribute it. I'm just sort of thinking back to the 
seven plus million Americans that voted for uh, Biden <laughs> over Trump. So I, if I look like I'm In daydreaming, the eighty plus million that voted that eclipsed any votes, any uh, amount that uh, right. Obama ever got. No I know. squabbling over votes right it's now. An We're amazing talk feat about from a basement. I just think that was a heck of a campaign. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait to see what happens in this next year. We're going to have so much to fight about. So uh, before uh, President Biden got here, he stopped in Arizona. And I was a little surprised by this. Their word leaks. Word always leaks out before he does things. But the day before we found out uh, that there was going to be a new national monument near the Grand Canyon in Arizona. And if you have ever looked at a map, Utah and Arizona are neighbors. And so that means cattle ranchers or people who let their animals graze, that it will affect them. The interesting thing is, is uh, Republicans in Utah and probably generally overall have made a pretty clear point that they're not a big fan of the Antiquities Act. So Senator Romney, Lee and Cox all denounced it fairly quickly um, for different reasons, some for grazing rights, uh, some saying this should be, you know, something that Congress does. Uh, Energy production is interesting. And that's something that the president has stuck with, because sometimes you make a decision and then you go away from it. Like the first day in office, I think he signed 17 um, what do you call them, executive orders on his first day. And one of them was shutting down um, new drilling and fracking operations in the Four Corners region, which included Utah, San Juan County, which upset people. Uh, This is affecting Utah again. Gas prices are high. Was it a move where he's saying, I don't care, this is something that's important to me? Because it seems like it's kind of a tough one if you're in a state like Arizona, Mara, that I think is probably going to be a purplish state this next time. Yeah, it has been. So I think two things are important to me about national monuments. One is specific to the one he just declared, and it's important to note there's a 10-year phase out of that extraction, grazing, use of that land. So there's a long runway. So he's not This action does not leave anybody in a lurch. They can do lots. I mean, that's a decade of planning. And my big conviction is I do not believe my great-grandchildren will regret any national monument ever declared, whether it was declared by Teddy Roosevelt, whether it was declared by Bill Clinton, whether it was declared by Joe Biden. I think that as America continues to populate and industrialize and move to technology ages, that preserving the special places, whether they're small and a house or whether they're thousands of acres of wilderness, um, I think that our conversation about energy is more transient than the natural wonders that we have. And for better or worse, the Western United States has a lot of them. I mean, this part... If you haven't ever, I've, I've rafted quite a bit, and if you have been on the Colorado River and some of these, I mean, they are special. They're undeniably special spaces. The conversation about use is the tough one because I think mm-hmm. most of us agree they're special. But I think what matters is the 10-year off-ramp. To give someone a decade to transition will likely follow the economic indicators of energy and cattle grazing. Because I'm not, you know, I, I, I think you don't want those to be harmed immediately. And I think that they have, um, I think they prepared for that. I think they accounted for that. So, so Kane County is 85% federally owned land. And why Kane County matters in this Arizona National Monument is it is on, it's in the Arizona Strip, which is, so the closest population base to this is Utah and Kane County. This, they're going to feel this much more than people that live in Arizona. So Hilldale and Colorado City. Yeah, so they're going to feel it. And so it does, it does uh, interrupt in terms of its potential or how they ramp up or how they create their land use rules in a national monument, which are more strict than BLM land. Um, It's going to impact those families that live in Utah and Kane County more than uh, I would argue than in Arizona. So Kane County is already a county with 85% federal land, 4% state land. So they're almost 90% of land they can't put infrastructure across or they can't, you know, that they're already pretty penned in. They got a national park on one side. They got the Grand Staircase National Monument on another. Uh, This just adds to the the pressure. And at the same time this is happening, it's also the case that the National Monument, the Grand Staircase that, that Clinton had done and the land use plan or model that they put forward uh, it's in real time, even maybe next week, being changed to become more prohibitive and more strict than what was promised and what was represented when it was made a national monument back when Bill Clinton was leaving office back in the 90s. So I think the people in Kane County and anyone that's aware of these national monuments and how they encumber the land, they know two things. One, you don't know what you get in terms of what's promised versus what happens over time. 
The second is it isn't usually a good stewardship of the land to make these national monuments because they get more tourism. The search and rescue teams, which will really lean on Utah for people that get lost, they're going to see an uptick as these areas are national monuments. They become more popular. People see them. They, they've seen this happen at Bears Ears uh, in that national monument. You're going to have a lot more people on the land and and, and it's not going to keep it pristine necessarily. The tourism and the and the people that act uh, that access it, it doesn't help them. And those costs actually fall on those adjacent communities as well. I don't see how that's happened. And the last one I'll just say is there is private property inside of this. One of the private property owners was able to bring this to the attention in a meeting They're going to be Tucson. able to rent that Airbnb out for so it's much just, money now. So Boom. some they, they excluded – but there's some they're still they're still not aware that there's private property inside there and there hasn't been a kind of a arrangement on how that's going to work out. So it just it just feels to Utahns who are near these areas in rural Utah. That's not Wasatch Front. That's the rest of the state, the smaller part of our state and population. But it feels like to them that their communities are oftentimes the reward that Democrat presidents give to the environmentalist groups that would like to see these monuments. So here's an important thing that Greg brings up that I think that I would hope that our Utah delegation brings up a little more, which is, um, and our state, that when you have high attraction recreational areas, uh, we have, for whatever weird reason, not accounted for care, yeah, feeding, and rescue. True. And the busier they are, we don't account for the busyness. And so it is imperative that our federal delegation starts to lobby on behalf of these incredibly small governmental entities. Mm-hmm. And I think the state also needs to step in because the burden of that. But here is the benefit of that. We know that the economic modeling and the economic engine behind tourism has a much higher yield and a much longer runway than energy extraction. So I think that when you move to a tourist-based economy, which a lot of people don't because of the associated expense that Greg just described. So I think that it cannot be the burden, infrastructure, rescue, hotel, like all that if I do think the federal government owes, if you will, the state and the adjacent, it wouldn't even be a state, the adjacent property, mm-hmm. I think they need to consider that. But I will say in the long run, you're looking and King County is doing this and they're doing it really well, as is St. George, as is San Juan. Then when they look at the recreation industry, including film, mm-hmm. they see a lot longer runway. The other thing I just want to point out that just drives me crazy is... When we say, hey, the feds need to give our land back, and I can't believe the feds are doing this, mm-hmm. let's remember a couple of things. We didn't recognize the United States of America. We got statehood. We knew what they owned when we got it. It was their land, and then yeah, it was the, territory. the it was federal, federal government yes. gave it to us. So when every single citizen, starting with Brigham Young, went into that area... They knew what the property was, it's Greg. Just Nobody of the took anything when territories away. Became states. They got a better deal. They got the whole state. They sure they hedged did. Their bet when we you got were west tougher, of the as I've heard forever. Like we were tougher, and we walked yeah. barefoot and all that. But I'm just saying, like <laughs> we knew the conditions, and so to whine about them now, I would stop whining, it's and I would whining. say, they just keep encumbering more. And I would say to the feds, I do think they have a responsibility. When you designate a place as special and you encourage the tourism of it, which the state of Utah has, as has the federal government, they have to help us pay for it. Absolutely, because it's a double-edged sword, because I think when we protect these places, in some ways we unprotect them because more people come in there and you look at the damage that people can have on these lands, so you have to figure out a way to keep it pristine. And those rescues that you mentioned this spring... Holy we had an astronomical yeah. amount of rescues that were happening, and they were right there on the Utah-Arizona border where people mm-hmm. were hiking. And I think every rescue was someone who lived out of the state of Utah. So they were people here, you know, being um, tourists, and they had to be rescued and, on the And international the state tourism dime. is just It's for our whole right state. Now. It's yeah. actually vital to the state. It's uh, The tourism tax is a big part of our, our economy and our tax revenue in the state. I, I want to just stick on this issue for a little bit longer because in the Wasatch Front, there is just – under for no fault of anyone Mara there's a disconnect the there's a disconnect between <laughs> those of us that live in four where 75 percent of utah lives in the four counties along the wasatch front and we don't really have this discussion about rural counties as much i just want to point this out i, I do believe what you say Mara, about tourism and about visit the econ, visitor economics is real okay and it has this long runway of, of revenue but if you take a, a county like grand county in moab 
if it's all you do, if you get rid of your, if you don't have a diverse yeah, a economy, a non-diverse economy, and you don't have the economy. mining, yeah. so you don't have mining in Grand County anymore, where there's a lot of rare minerals, you're taking away in the in the Arizona uh, Arizona Strip the uranium potentially. These are these are these, this is extraction that we should want to keep in our country. We want to be energy independent. We don't need all of our rare minerals for EV batteries from the Congo or from somewhere else, chasing away my poor gorillas. Um, we don't need you know, slave labor in, in China for our rare minerals, uranium, cobalt, all these things could be mined in Grand County, but they don't do extraction because extraction is on the wrong side of the, you know, of the, of the good and bad with the, with people, you know, environmentalists and with everyone people else making their choices. So I'm county. saying, fine, let there be tourism, but don't destroy the ability to, to extract rare minerals that we actually need we need uranium it'd be nice to have nuclear clean power it'd be nice to make the department of defense doesn't want to ask russia or anyone else for the uranium we want to be able to mine this so why we would encumber it or make it hard to access it doesn't make any sense and i think you should diversify the economy down there we don't need them they're young people moving up to the wasatch front we're already full up here we need economies and people young people to be able to find work and have a life in the, the I communities. I know what's going on here. They grow up in. Oh, that was the it's wrong there. button. I wanted. It. Oh, that's not it. Where's all the buttons? This is the button. That's the button. I found it, guys. We're falling behind. Okay. Way behind. So that's like the Academy Awards music, so that the acceptance yeah. speeches end. I know. Okay. We got to talk about some other stuff. Okay, I got to remember go. where the right buttons were because we just gave everyone like the disco. Earful of garbage of everything they just had. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about uh, President Biden's time at the VA. He was coming on the first anniversary of the PACT Act, which um, Senators Romney and Lee both voted against, which is sort of a rarity sometimes on these things. They kind of disagree. I think they were both concerned about how much money it was going to cost, maybe that it could hurt veterans in the long run with the way it was written. Uh, It is a lot of money. Uh, Part of the question was, would this include veterans with all kinds of health problems that maybe weren't due to burn pits that are getting help anyways because it's kind of, we'll take care of you no matter what. it was, I think, a good issue to be backing veterans uh, for Biden up there. Uh, it seemed like an important speech up there. He talked about mental health. So I think there are things that probably hit home with veterans here in Utah. We have a lot of veterans and families here, Gold Star families. Yeah, I mean, clearly what they had packaged this for was a national rollout, too, because this was the part of his visit yeah. that you saw hit all it hit cable TV, it hit all of the networks, where the rest of the visit I saw more local coverage, but yeah. I didn't see a ton of national coverage. So to be clear, this was nationally platformed, and I think they found this a reasonably safe space to do it in. If you didn't see the footage, he was regaled, like it was really quite military in its setup, which is what you'd want to do. He had all of the different flags from all the different yeah. services and the American flag, so it was very military, red, white, and blue. And how he did it. And then also, as often happens, and I think quite sincerely happens with Joe Biden, is when he talks about um, the medical fallout of war, he talks about his son. And he is still very connected to his son who died of brain cancer, which may have been a byproduct of burn pits in Afghanistan. So I think for him, it's a good issue. I think for most Americans, I think the Republicans are interestingly on, they're, they're on a non-traditional side for Republicans. Yeah. Um, and I, that may or may not have merit to it, but it's non-traditional. I am comfortable with all of the excess money that the Fed spend on both sides, which I could argue there's overspending in a lot of areas. I'll just tell you, men and women who have answered the call to serve the country, regardless of I feel about the war, because I am often a war critic, and I will acknowledge that I am highly critical of most of our wars. I am not critical of the men and women who say yes. And hey, if the net impact is I'm paying for services, medical services for someone who served, who maybe didn't directly get it, well, our medical system in America is so jacked up anyway. I'm going to err on the side of giving too much to men and women who have served as opposed to cheapening. We need to tighten our belts. We, Greg and I both agree that the overspending is unacceptable, but I'm, I'm going to be generous with the people who agreed to answer the call. Yeah, so there's, when I was a state lawmaker, there were some times where there was a bill, and by its title alone, it seemed as intuitive as could be. And to vote against it, there would be an immediate assumption that I was opposed to You'd the title like of that face. bill. But if you got into the language of the bill, there was some legitimate concerns that were, were uh, important enough that I would, even if I 
was going to be misunderstood for my vote, I still voted against that bill. I think that's what's going on with the PACT Act and, and Senator Romney and Senator Lee voting against it. I think it was an accountability measure, if I remember correctly. It was how that money would be spent to make sure water gets to the end of the row, and it, and it was not to a standard that they felt like it was going to do as advertised. But that said, I, I couldn't agree more. They, these VA hospitals and our, and our retirement, the, the retirement homes that, that we have, it all needs to have an upgrade. All the VA hospitals are not some shining example or north star of, of healthcare delivery. Um, it it and the, this is our greatest debt. I think there sh- we should we should spare no expense. But to spare no expense, you want to make sure that the dollars you are spending are actually reaching these these veterans and helping them the way they need to be helped. And so I think the sentiments there and. It's unfortunate that it gets to a bill where anyone would vote no, that you couldn't go upstream and kind of fix whatever that accountability so measure of, would be. But I think Senator it. Lee had an amendment, but it was, didn't pass. Yeah. And one of the adages that Greg taught me, seared into me, that I actually agree with him on is don't let um, perfect yeah, get no, in the way of good. Don't let perfect be the and enemy of good. I agree. So I think it is fair that to pass a bill and then to improve a bill is a better recourse than continue to perfecting it before it gets passed, particularly when you're talking about people who are dying and people who need medical care. Yeah, so I think it was impactful. Good point. And uh, just before we move on to other issues, I just want to mention, so if any of you see this on TV, you probably don't realize the work that goes behind scenes. But when you look at it, I mean, when the president comes to town, it's a massive disruption, and there's an entire city of people that make everything work for when he gets here. So when we have our reporters that have to go report, and let's say there's an event at 9 in the morning, they're there at 3 a.m., they have to go leave their gear inside, then they have to leave so the Secret Service can check it. They're allowed to come back oh. a couple hours later after they're then searched um, by the Secret Service, and they get background checks, and then they can go in, and then you wait for a couple more hours till the president arrives. So there is a lot of, like, hurry up and wait and hours and hours of working. And then also at every hotel, every stop he makes, there is a lot of groundwork that's done days, weeks before he gets here. I have a friend who works up at the VA, and I think he was ready to keel over when yesterday was done <laughs> because from the second they got word that uh, President Biden was coming, they were working on that beautiful backdrop yeah. to make sure it looked perfect and presidential and all the military was represented. So there's a lot of work that goes on. It's kind of weird. Do either of you, I know Mara, you do, watch some of those shows where you're looking at the Queen of England and some of the stuff's right. going on. You look and you're like, this is all so silly and so much work for one person. It happens for the president, too. There's a lot oh. of people working to make it all happen. Yeah, that advanced team, of which there yeah. usually tend to be three, and they jump rope or they jump ahead at, at the activities. But it is quite – and it's only more and more. I mean, with the increased yeah. security, there's always been the advanced team that does the staging and the pop and the circumstance. But now in today's world, it's the security that's – Ruling the day. Yeah, garbage trucks and tents and everything else that goes with it. So it's interesting to watch behind the scenes. So I'm smiling because typically the protocol in these big, massive, you know, advanced teams is that the president's team uh, coordinates with the governor's office. When Trump came in December, he coordinated with the House. <laughs> He Which did. I totally loved, yes. So That's that interesting. Fun. Yeah, it's good. Um, it's they good do, time. and if you know any law enforcement officers, probably with Highway Patrol or DPS, they often get a chance to work with the Secret Service because yeah. I think they like people who know and understand the layout of the city and the roads they're using to to help the Secret Service so they can get everything right. Which maybe brings us to the increased scrutiny of a Provo man who was sending yes. out some threatening emails and the FBI ended up having an altercation with him. Yeah. Deadly altercation with him. Yeah. Yeah, So that, so of all the things that you think were going to happen, you know, you're waiting for something to happen because something weird's going to happen while the president comes. I don't think any of us were expecting that. So if you haven't heard by now and haven't been watching the news, a Provo man uh, was shot and killed by the FBI and their SWAT team that came in, I think about 615 in the morning when the president came. And The FBI, I believe, at least from what I understand, was acting on a request from the Secret Service on that day, although the FBI had been at the same gentleman's home three months prior because he'd been posting um, some pretty graphic and violent things on his Facebook page. And I think he was venting at first where there were a lot of things where you're like, well, it's free speech. But those free speech things turned into very direct threats um, towards people. The FBI came to his house. Uh, We know now from court documents and 
basically asked him to cease and desist and stop. And the FBI agents we've talked to have said that usually when you go do that, people are kind of scared straight a little and they're like, okay, that's it. But unfortunately, it wasn't it. Um, Greg, you have a lot of friends in the law enforcement community. Mara, you happen to be married to um, part of that law enforcement community. Um, thoughts on what's happened and what you're seeing? Yeah, I, I, I don't find the disturbing things that, that the gentleman posted uh, to be under the banner of free speech. I think it's incredibly dangerous. And I, frankly, I don't even know how it, it was, you could even read it because there's so much censorship that goes on on social media. I don't know how that, that was you, you could even see what wrote because it was so he was threatening the life of I not know, just the Facebook president but of other people kind of flags that stuff and yeah, makes it I mean, disappear it was, it was over the top there's no excuse for it there is it is unacceptable on every single uh, level the, the only part that there's been questions since that has happened is that this early morning raid and how they came in uh the man i guess is about 300 pounds he's 75 years old he's got a blind son that he's been the primary caregiver to he's the ward clerk he's can't get around without his cane. He has mobility issues, builds ramps in his little workshop for handicapped people. Like, and they've met him before. So the idea that he could even follow up on some of the things he was saying there, I, I, I don't know that. Although that if this you have a gun, you could probably even if you're handicapped. I guess use I worry. Right? I guess I worry. And this is this is all in hindsight. But I, if you if you burst into a person's home at six a.m. and you're and there's a and I, I don't know what state you would find someone who doesn't know the source of who's coming in their home, how the loud noise, the, the bang, fla the flash bang or whatever they call it, all this stuff is happening. Uh, did the measure and how they did that uh, match the person who they had to make sure uh, would be accountable for the things that he was posting online? I think there needs to be an accountability for it. I 100% do. I just don't know if that person, as I've heard descriptions of him, if he was the danger that, um, that he wanted him, his persona was online, which, by the way, his neighbors never saw that side of him, the one he was talking like. But now did it, did it have to come to that? I'm trying to if I should follow people on Facebook that I go to church with. I'm like, do I really know right. them? Well, my, just, I just don't know. Did it have to come to that? It's sad that that happened. Um, I think that's the question that way. going seemed, forward. My understanding is that tactically this is best practice, right? So what I know of, of either knock or no knocks are that you specifically go when people may not be ready for you because – You've already assessed that they're a threat, right? This is not an unknown. They're worried about you already. And they knew and he they had weapons. already know he was a gun threat. So his mobility issue was not that he was going to run away. The mobility issue was really about his trigger hand yeah. and not to be flippant about it. But um, it's pretty... It's pretty standard protocol in most law enforcement agencies to serve warrants when they are unexpected. What sure. you want to do is find someone not armed and ready for you. So I don't find that. I find that time of day and the way they did it, from my knowledge base, very sort of best practice. Um, clearly, they saw something that happened. There, there's audio reporting that someone said he's got a gun. But in this instance, it seems like they did really follow best practice. And you had the president coming, and as you suggested already, you had such specific threats. I am going to pivot a little bit and maybe use some cultural language in explaining him. It's been reported over and over by his neighbors. He was an active member of the ward and that he seemed lovely and like he clearly had, and he had family, yeah. and um, he, he this surprised many people who knew him. And so if we just go to sort of something we've talked about a lot, which is political rhetoric. And what are the consequences of going from good sparring to bad sparring to conspiracy to, and I'm not using that partisanly, to like hating someone, like hating someone that you don't even know yeah. and vilifying this person and vilifying their tactics or this party or this movement or this ideology I don't know this man, but he seems to be a casebook of a, quote, nice guy trying to live a good life who somehow, I guess words matter. And I guess us trying to cool down our political environment, I do think it, it eventually ramps up to something. So I don't think, you know, I, I know you and I, Greg, have both tried to not be quite as vitriolic, like don't flippantly yeah. use yep. language. And you see that moving from what's the joke about violence, not joke, but what's the lighthearted version of violence versus what's a threat. And, and it's a speech issue, right? But I do think this is an example of someone who it's a slippery slope 
And America is fighting right now with us and them. And we're fighting with thinking that Republicans are horrible as opposed to just don't share my point of view. And this language around if this or that person gets elected, the world is going to end. He seems to be reflecting of somewhere along the way he went from being kind of a moderate ideologue to, you know, a modern person to, it appears at this point, he was an ideologue that was prepared to kill somebody. Yeah, and the thing is, is I don't know if his family got used to the things he said. Yeah, Yeah, but I think that's what, his family released a statement where they're like, oh, he talks big. And I think that was their thing saying, you know, he was grandpa, he said these kind of things. But at some point, they're... There was obviously a line cross. So part of their statement that they released said, um, let me see where I can start it. As an elderly and largely homebound man, there was a very little he could do but exercise his First Amendment right to free speech and the voice his protest in what has become the public square of our age of the Internet and social media. Though his statements were intemperate at times, he has never and would never commit any act of violence against another human being over a political or philosophical disagreement. So somehow they saw his things just as, oh, grandpa's being grandpa. But obviously, I mean, they crossed that line from death to somebody to very specific things that he was saying, and that's where we got to where we're at. I think that's the warning they didn't see. I mean, I I don't know him, and I appreciate that they're the grieving family, but he had threatened law enforcement. He did have multiple weapons. He had access to those weapons. He had posted pictures of him fully warning, wearing those weapons saying, I want to kill somebody. Yeah. So he has an accountability, and I think the mobility issue is is not in a line with the use of weapons. So, yeah. so we're, we're a, in hi- again, in hindsight, op- an opportunity has been missed, or it may be, maybe someone will seize upon it, is I've heard the left talk about uh, de-escalation uh, with criminals and how you apprehend them and when you when you apprehend them, whether it's at the dawn at dawn when you smash through their home or apartment, versus if they're walking down the street or if you surveil them and, and you could ca- you could apprehend them in a less confrontational way. I think you could you could find in a, a bipartisan way now that we have this example where we could talk about the, the de-escalation and if this guy is the ward clerk and he does go to church, could you pick him up? At church, you wouldn't have any, you wouldn't be, I mean, I can't imagine that scenario ending the way it did if he was picked up I think actually the first church. time they came I think to they meet approached him, him March, at church, right? They did appro- I think on his way home from church in March, yeah. and he said to come back when they had so a warrant. Be, be, yeah. So I'm inclined, though, Look Greg, at to, de-escalation. So like, I just think Greg, I'm just saying I am not inclined to second-guess law enforcement on this. I'm inclined ever? to second-guess on this. Oh, on just I am, this one. I, I question law enforcement often. Okay. Um, but I'm not inclined in this scenario, and maybe I will be when we get more information, but it does not appear right now that law enforcement used anything but best practices who i'm inclined to raise the flag for of which i will include myself in this is the community that missed it and and without exception you're hearing the community say oh gosh i didn't know now i'm not saying that it's their fault or they're obligated but i'm just saying we've got i think i think yeah, the I- political rhetoric so there's the issue of the law enforcement incidents of which I have so far seen no evidence, including the warrant that they served. If you read through the warrant, it was solid and it was yeah. clear. And there were throughout three allegations. I think law enforcement feels pretty buttoned up to me. So if, if, if that's sort of where my head goes, I still want to flag the part where advanced, vitriolic, us and them political rhetoric, if it's in our friends and family, and it is, we should de-escalate that. His is what he says. If I knew anyone in my sphere, where I were to read what was said in there, it was and, graphic, and it does it, not yeah. match up with the. You, I yeah. rant about politics as good as anybody. Yeah. But if and I can rant all day. I don't think I. I know I don't cross that line. If I ever had someone I know, even knew passively, and I read that, I would tell you. I would pull them aside yeah. and say, "You're in trouble." I don't know how you're still standing in front of me because you can't say things like you are threatening the lives yeah. of leaders. You can't threaten the lives of anybody, but you certainly this is this is really really bad. I I so I never mistake what I'm saying by excusing anything that we've read in those posts or what was said, and I think it should be taken very very seriously. Yeah. I just as you hear the story about this person, is there a way 
to address that that doesn't yeah, end and the up sad thing is the that the friends or family life. probably could have done something prior you know when they were seeing the things posted and sadly you know we have an fbi agent who obviously fired this shot and had to kill the man i don't think anyone goes to work in the morning hoping that they go home with that you know that you got to live with forever so not a great situation the fbi does not wear body cameras like our police officers they don't have an outside agency that investigates they'll do their own investigation probably months before we see it so we'll find out more then but um I guess it's open to conversation about what we're talking about today. Well, the last part about this, the whole neighborhood gets shut down. People have young kids in the house. They pulled the body out for some reason. They don't cover it or anything. It's, it's out there for everyone to see for two hours. Um, it, it just, there's just a, a callousness to it. And even to the, the point where there's young children and people that live next door, uh, it, it just, it just seems, it's just, it, it victimizes that entire neighborhood. Why they had to have him out there, out, why would you touch the body after you've killed him if you have to have medical, whatever you do. I don't even know the process, but when people call in and they talk about how they had to keep their kids in the basement because their, the, their neighbor is laying there dead for two hours that you can see. I haven't read it just doesn't. Reports. It doesn't make any sense. He was on the edge of the driveway because I think they started working on him is my understanding oh, okay. for a while. So he was out there on the driveway. I don't know where the actual shooting happened but he was at the end of the driveway these neighbors said that yeah. they moved his body i believe to yeah. that point where they were working on him and then i don't know if they had to leave it for the crime scene i'm guessing when the fbi is involved and especially the president's Throw coming to town sheet over yes it. a sheet would be helpful um definitely because if you see those kind of things you don't unsee them but uh yeah there's a lot of protocols that go with that i'm sure and i'm guessing that as the president you probably don't want to be coming to town hearing that this is what's happening as you're coming to so yep not great. So I feel like we need something else I to know, finish with. I know. We've got to bring it like up a little bit. Anyone do anything fun this weekend? Hmm. Uh, my daughter's having a 23rd birthday party in my backyard, fun. so That's that'll fun. be fun. Yeah. We Good have times to a be had. baby blessing and a uh, Burbank family reunion. <laughs> so you had a lot of family fun. That's I've special. got a lot of, yeah, in-law stuff. That, that's not bad. Good awesome. Um, and Grandma Mara is, Grams. do you have a different word that you're going to use for you? Because you're not old enough to be a grandma. Are See, you being I'm like, not ready to process, but I Mara. will. I, I, so the name that I'm using is the name I called my grandma on my mom's side because she was from Louisiana is Mama. I think that's cute. Yeah, I like yeah, there's that. A I, I used to call my, my grand, grandpap or pap. I like pap. My, no one in my family likes it, though. They think, I, and I'm not a grandfather. Well, it's your choice, right? I would hope, but getting. so far I've been told or by the Queen Bee, Krista, that that the name's right not, they it's just not want happen. grandpa. Just I hate grandpa. grandpa. I want pap. All right. Well, maybe the kids will make up a name because sometimes that happens when they just call you something and then it sticks. Yeah. So. True. Yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Well, now I'm feeling old after this conversation. Yeah, that didn't bring things I'm up. I'm playing golf. <laughs> well, I'm playing golf with my son and probably my nephew. That's nice. Nephews. So. Yeah. Enjoy the last part of summer because I feel like it slipped through our fingers. School is starting. Uh, college kids are moving off. And we're going to be back into the, I don't know, the groove of sending pet kids back to school. I know a lot of parents love it. I don't. But here we are. Here we are. Here and we are. you've got, you're launching a senior in I'm high school. I'm launching a senior. I know. I'm <laughs> not ready to be done. We're all moving into this phase of life yep. where I used to think people who were empty nesters were old. Yeah, yeah. Now, here we are. Now student? how young they you are. I know. Young and hip. Do you have any younger? Is this it? This, this is, is your... it. I only have two children, so yep. yeah, the party's over. It, come, it come, happens fast. I do have a shih tzu to keep me mm, you warm do. and cozy. I don't count them. <laughs> you don't count them. They're not them. real people. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us for this important conversation. Sorry to... I still feel like this is a bit of a downer we're leaving on. Oh, wait, we sorry. just on a fun best weekend. Best of luck, fun weekend festivities. I know what's going on here. Oh, that is not what I meant to do. I'm not even pushing the right buttons now. There we there go. There we go. There's the classy music. Have a great weekend. <laughs>